everyone, I'm Emma, a certified dog trainer. And I'm Kirsten, a certified dog behavior consultant. And this is Dog Chats. Join us as we chat about dog behavior, having fun with your dogs, and building relationships. We will offer practical advice and a bit of humor. Hi everyone, welcome to episode eight. <laughs> we're already laughing because we're having so much fun. Um, but we're coming to the end of 2022, mm-hmm. depending on when you listen to this uh, episode. But we're um, just at the end of December and looking forward to 2023. So we thought we'd kind of look back at uh, 2022 and things uh, that, that we've learned through our practice, uh, our business and things we've learned from other trainers, and then look at what we're planning for 2023. Yeah. We both focus on um, different areas. I do puppies, and Kirsten looks at um, mostly adolescent dogs with aggressive behaviors and reactivity. And so we normally don't talk about that with the clients as to why we got into those specialized areas, so we thought we'd discuss that as well today. All right, so we're going to start asking each other questions. I think that's probably the best. Okay, I'm going to ask you first. All right. Emma, why do you you love working with puppies? Why do I love working with puppies? And it's not only puppies that I love working with. I love working with the families. Mm. Um, What really excites me and what I'm really passionate about is getting that relationship going between them. So it's not necessarily the the training, like the sits and the downs and all that. That's not the part that I'm looking at. I'm looking at how can I make this family uh, come together and become one. Oh, beautiful. Um, so I look at obviously the puppy things, which are the house training, uh, the nipping is a huge thing, just getting them used to having a little bit of independence and time alone. Like mm-hmm. there's lots of puppy stuff, but I really like helping them navigate, uh, through that time period, which is like the one month up to the six months, which almost, you know, goes on then to the part you like, yeah. which is the adolescence. But I just think, just getting them at that moment um, where they enter a new house and the family's trying to incorporate the new puppy into their daily life and getting sleep yeah. <laughs> for the first couple of nights that the puppy is there. I just want to be there to support them mm-hmm. um, with the experience that I have uh, working with puppies. And so that really that really is it for me. It's the, working with the people yep. and just uh, helping them on that journey with their puppy. Yeah, and I love how you really help the people see the world from that new puppy's perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, I I tend to sometimes when I'm working with puppies, I get stuck in the old school sit down stay. Yes. Here's the skills that they have to learn. This is what we would do in puppy class. And you tend to step outside that box. And speaking of box, I'll never forget the first time you set out a bunch of boxes and just showed me how to make that, you know, a novel experience, an enrichment game for a puppy moving around and I had never seen anything like that. Just brilliant. Yeah, and it's and it's and we'll get into this a little bit more, but socialization is is a huge thing for puppies and that really is just building that resilience to mm. new things in the world and just getting used to it and novelty mm-hmm. is a great way of doing that, just putting novel things in the environment. Um, But I want to ask you back now, what draws you to work with mainly adolescent dogs, but with aggressive behaviors? Well, you know, it's interesting because I was thinking when you just said that, it's it's the people too, right? Mm -hmm. And I think I'm drawn to the clients who are struggling and suffering in some ways going through grief because the dog that's in front of them isn't their dog that they dreamed of. 
Yes. And I think I can fill a niche in helping the humans who feel conflicted and the adolescent dogs who are conflicted. They're not always adolescent, but often are. Mm-hmm. Um, and I realized that I, I'm drawn to teenagers as well. Like when I was teaching, I <laughs> taught middle school, right? Yeah. Like that. And it's that same thing. It's this this fun a phase of life where you're too big to be a kid and you're not ready to be an adult and you're floundering and you're making mistakes and you're all over the place and your hormones are flying. Um, and I can relate to that. And you're testing boundaries. Testing a boundaries, too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um, supporting both the dog parents and the dogs during that time has just been really fulfilling for me. I'd love to hear from you too on the changes you've seen from when you started working in this area and the way you work now, because that has changed for both of us. We yeah. can go into a lot of detail with that because uh, things have changed so much. Every year we're thinking of different things. So what that looked like when you started versus the way you work now? Oh, such a great question. So in thinking back to 1997, that's when I first started working with the, my mentor trainer in Santa Rosa. Um, and when, if a dog was reactive, and when we use that word, we mean barking, lunging, snapping at other dogs when on leash. Uh, we used choke chains, and she showed me how to pop the dog. And what we would do was walk that dog by 100 dogs. We'd go to the Tiburon bike path and just inundate, flood the poor dogs. And I look back on that, Some I wake up sometimes in the night with guilt and realize that those dogs weren't getting better. They were terrified mm-hmm. and probably were making it worse. But at the time, we didn't know any we better. Didn't know. We yeah. didn't know. Yeah. And so then the big switch was more to behavior mod, you know, decent. And what behavior, what's behavior modification? Um, great question. So changing how the dog feels about the dog and doing an alternate behavior. So instead of barking, lunging, biting, I'm going to make you feel better by saying, hey, do you see the dog? There's a dog. I hand them a treat when they see the dog. But I'm still going to ask them to do something else often. I mean, we say that it's classical condition, but there's a lot of times where we're then tossing the treat so they have to find it. Or we're asking for a touch, or we're asking for a sit, or we're asking them to move along and not do anything. So really just doing something other than what they were doing. Exactly. Yeah, that alternate behavior. And now, like just very recently in this area, I'm so excited about the concept of why do we have to change their behavior? You know, I'm terrified of hummingbirds. And I'm not kidding. If I'm out there, you know that. We did see some clovers the other day. We were thinking about all those pointy beaks. But if somebody said to me, "Look, I want you to just look at that hummingbird and take a piece of chocolate and sing the ABCs," I don't want to do that. Like I'm like, no, I want to get back in the house. Yes. So it's it's made me more cognizant of what we're asking the dogs to do. Like, do they have choice? Yeah. In the behavior mod, and they should. And so that new movement about giving the dogs more choice has been really exciting. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the changes in my area have been pretty extraordinary. And I know the little that I know about puppy training, I know that you have seen incredible changes too in just the last few years. Yeah. And it may not necessarily be uh, changes that everybody has gotten that direction, but certainly for you and I, we've, we've changed the way we look at things. So I used to puppy classes. That's how I started with puppies. And that was mostly play with other puppies and then a little bit of training and a little bit of like what's going on at home, house training and stuff like that. And socialization was a big thing. And it was back then it was, and still is, we still hear about it, like get out there, meet a hundred people, a hundred dogs. Right. Can you imagine? Yeah. Well, you know, back then, uh, I'll be honest, I had my dog Dusty 
and I thought, oh, socialization is great. And there was some big parade going on in the city. And I think I've mentioned that in another one. And I brought him <laughs> to it thinking that was socialization. And the, just the change over the years for that, and especially kind of COVID really yeah. made us more aware of that. We were like, how can we do socialization without being able to meet all these people right. and dogs? And so you start thinking about novelty. And it really is just novelty to stuff out in the world. Can they look at stuff and go, no big deal? Yeah. Oh, there's a truck going by. No big deal. Yeah. I can handle that. Yeah. And that's what you're looking for with a puppy. Um, so I think that's changed even the way we, we do socialization now yep. and how that looks different things for socialization. And there's more choice. And there's more choice. Right? And Yeah. And so socialization isn't go to a puppy class necessarily and meet all the puppies because puppies really don't tell each other the, <laughs> the greatest way to play with each other. Yeah. I mean, like, it's nice to see that your puppy gets on with other puppies. Uh, but just having that, that I always kind of say, is there a neighbor's dog or a friend's dog mm -hmm. that's really solid? Yeah. That we could do some introductions. I bring my own dog sometimes. Yeah. Um, and we just want to make sure that they're okay with dogs. They don't have to to love every dog they see. Right. Um, they just have to go, oh, it's just a dog. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. that's fine. Yeah. I can just either want to play with them or just say, hey, I don't want to play with them. And we're like, okay, yeah. that's fine as long as we're not seeing any fear or anything. So that's definitely one of the things. I could go on forever with all of this. <laughs> and then um, just the way, again, just the way we're all thinking about now is it important to teach sits and downs and and some of those things I, I do, like some of the training, basic training, I do find important to help the family and the puppy live together. Mm -hmm. But it's not my focus. Right. My biggest focus is let's get your house trained, right? Because yeah. that's going to make everybody's life easy. Let's yeah. make sure you can sleep through the night. Mm -hmm. That's going to make it really good. And make let's make sure you can get out there and see the world and be okay with it all. Yeah. So that's kind of changed, yeah. you know, that we're not looking for, you must be able to sit, you must be able to right. hold that sit for at least several minutes. Um, Cause that's when I used to teach classes, yeah. that was it. Can you yeah. hold your sit for a minute? Right, where you can't graduate to the next class. And what does, and what is that, <laughs> what does that say to a dog? I don't mm -hmm. know. It's just like, okay, I'll just sit here, just give me some treats and I'll sit here. But what, well, it was what so are we much teaching more about us controlling the dog, right? Exactly. And, and exactly. feeling like we're in control. We were the, the powerhouse and the dog had to do what we said. Yeah. Where now I feel like in, in both of our areas, you know, it's choice and it's also just moving towards that well-being. Yeah. You know, how to nurture the well-being of the puppy to prevent the negative behaviors things, later, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. And also giving them, like we were saying with choice, the freedom to make some decisions themselves. Yeah. And I'm guilty of that. Like when when Kiva was a puppy, I used to be watching her every move she made out in the garden or in the yard um, because I was afraid she'd pick up a mushroom. Yeah. You know, there was things that I was a little worried about. And so it was hard for me to kind of stand back and let her do some discovery on her own. But ways around that is you just manage where she can go into, but then she can have freedom within that area. Yeah. So, or you have four dogs like me and you just can't And you just don't care. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Um, but good. so what is it about aggressive behaviors and working with adolescents and that re reactivity that really lights your fire, that you're mm. passionate about? Because honestly, you know, when somebody says they're having some problems with their dogs, that they're seeing some aggressive behaviors or reactivity, I'm sending them to you straight away. <laughs> and I know you're really happy about it. Yeah. Like you just go, thank you very much. I yeah. will call them straight away. Like there's something that really 
lights up in you when you're able to help these people and their dogs. Yeah. That, that it, there's not a lot of trainers out there that work within this area. Yeah. Um, it's very limited. And I just want to know what makes that light up for you. Great question. I, you know, I think there's, I've seen so much success. There can be a really high success rate with these behaviors. And most of it is the humans changing what they're doing or changing the management or understanding the dog. Um, and the biggest thing that's affected me lately is thinking about the dog. And this comes from a couple different classes I'm taking where either, you know, dogs are pessimist or optimist. People mm -hmm. are pessimist or optimist. And how can we bring that pessimistic dog, which often adolescents are because of the conflict yes. to a more optimistic place in their life. And, you know, it's the same thing. That's what you're doing with puppies, but I love doing it when the, the, problems are eking out and all of a sudden we're seeing kind of the dirty ugly stuff but it's not about putting out that little fire right it's not mm -hmm. about stopping the barking stopping yes. that it's it's building up that dog's confidence helping them be more optimistic and nurturing that well-being dogs happier symptoms go away people are happier because they actually realize they can play a role in helping that relationship be more balanced yeah and just uh, one of the things I heard from this lovely winter summit mm. that we we just did with heart dogs, yes, um, that both we were listening to and is just letting the people know that this is not their fault that any of this is happening. Yeah. That even with all the work, like I do all the work I can with the people with their puppies. Yeah. But when they reach adolescence, we see other things come out right. that we might have seen a little glimpse of. Sometimes yeah. we can see a little bit of it and yeah. kind of go, okay, we need to work on that. But sometimes it just comes out when they hit adolescence. Absolutely. And you see that, right? You uh, see a puppy that was just mm -hmm. happy-go-lucky and then suddenly hit the hormones kicked in or whatever yeah. and that adolescence kicked in. And, you know, I can relate it back and, you know, make it a human analogy. And I, because just today the woman was saying to me, he was playful and he would walk down the street bouncy and want to meet everybody, meet the dogs. And I'm like, well, because he was basically a five-year-old. And now he's like a 21-year-old. Yeah, yeah. And he wants to walk into the bar and look really cool and not talk to people he doesn't want to talk to. And he's, you know, it's just developmental. Yeah. And behavior changes. Yeah. And behavior changes mm -hmm. with the environment it's in. Yeah. Uh, so that's really important, too. And I have to say, even Kiva, she used to be the happiest-go-lucky dog. Yeah. And then right around when we were in lockdown with COVID, you know, she was two and a half, three. She was in that, that thing. So it was a little later than adolescence, but it changed. Her behavior mm -hmm. changed seeing dogs walking across the street and not being able to meet them, which was more related to what was going on in the world. Yeah. Um, but it changed the way she, she thought about other dogs on a leash. Right. She became a little more pessimistic. She did. Mm -hmm. She did. Which is natural and normal. Yes. I mean, just starting the phone call like that with people. Yeah. You know, this is a very normal behavior that your dog is doing. It takes so much of that guilt and stress and frustration off their shoulders. It really does. And we get to start fresh. And that's a wonderful thing you do. Mm -hmm. Because, you know... I see when people get their puppy first, they're like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. Can you help me out? You know, and some people have had puppies before and they're they're a little bit like, oh, this is crazy. What do I do? But I've, had, I've done it before. Yeah. But some people have never had puppies and they're like, oh, my goodness, I didn't realize. And I always say, like, that first month you're going to go, what was I thinking? And then that's going to go away. Yeah. You're so good at kind of holding people's hand and nurturing them and guiding yeah, them, yeah. right? And... Um, but it's funny because I think I don't have the same empathy. I love puppies, but I don't have the same empathy for that 
kind of uncertainty with the puppy the way that you do. You really can relate to these people struggling with puppies. And maybe that's, again, because I've had so many dogs that when I do have a puppy, I don't notice it. (laughs) (laughs) To, uh, you know, do its own thing. But um, I have through, I've had so many reactive dogs. And do I make the dogs leash reactive? Sometimes I wonder because this pattern <laughs> well, keeps happening. You know, as trainers, the more you know, the more you exactly. don't want everything looks like you're looking at every movement everywhere. Oh, totally. But yeah. um, I, I have experienced a lot of dogs, my own personal dogs struggling mm-hmm. with barking, lunging, snapping. And so I think I naturally have that empathy. Yeah. I want to ask you a question. So looking back to last year, 2022, what about... Um, your mindset has changed because of things that, you know, happened in our community and, and new voices and new information. A lot. I mean, like, I think the year before that was a really a rebirth of the way I looked at things. I really threw everything out and started again and really looked at puppies differently. Yeah. And then last year, and I've always loved choice worked at a shelter doing enrichment and it was all about giving the dogs choices and you know fulfilling the well-being of all the the dogs and what their needs were and but I want to I, chime in you were so ahead of the curve there well right? I mean that well was... I'm sure I got it from somewhere <laughs> but, <laughs> I don't know my inspiration like just now yeah I feel yeah. like all of a sudden people are like enrichment, enrichment. I'm like yeah well Emma's been doing enrichment <laughs> yes. for 10 years yes. and there was a lot of us and it started off in the the shelter world mm-hmm. almost enrichment and then it became like a household thing um you know getting the puzzles and all that good stuff but last year I definitely looked at puppies differently and how I could help people and I still was doing sort of the basic training and I guess I'm questioning myself now what part of the basic training is Mm. still relevant. Mm -hmm. I love mat work. I think I'll continue to do, to do that forever because there's just so many wonderful uses for it. But is that training? I think of the way that we taught place five years ago. Yes. That was training. And explain to people what place is. So place was more go to this place, do a downstay, stay Mm -hmm. there until I release you. Yes. But the the relax on the mat, the mat work that you and I are doing is more like meditation. Yes. So that's different than having a personal trainer say to you, Emma, I want you to just sit here and relax and clear your mind, right? You can't do that. But if you had, you know, practicing that idea of relaxing, good things happen. If you get up, there's no punishment. Nobody's like, get back down. Nobody's okay. telling you to yeah. stay. And yes, I definitely see that. And then, but I think some some of the ways maybe I use it feels a little bit more like training. Like when dogs are, are nippy and they're really mouthy, the puppies are really mouthy. I do use the math as to go over and sit down and lay down on it and kind of hang out there. To decompress though, right? To decompress. Yeah. So it really is just to, it's your Zen spot. It is. Um, mm-hmm. So that that's something I think I'll keep forever. I battle about what's important and what's not, and every dog is an individual. Yeah. So I don't go in saying I'm going to teach these people the, all these particular things. I like to try and cover them a little bit. Mm. But some dogs will never, never will need to drop it. Maybe mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, like I think a drop it's pretty important, yeah. um, especially with all the things they put in their mouths. But it might not be as important to them as having the dog being able to be in the crate while they're out at work. Mm-hmm. Like that might be their priority if the dog is okay in a crate Uh, so people have different ideas of 
um, yeah. for for what what they need. That for me, from I don't know if I've answered your question completely about what last year, because now I'm thinking about all the things. But but I think this year is a better way to look at it rather mm-hmm. than what I was doing last year. There's people that um, we see as our sort of our mentors now, which we should probably just throw out all the names of all the people. Yeah, sure. yeah. I think. <laughs> um, you know, when I when I started redoing my thought process absolute dogs was Mm -hmm. there they brought so much joy back into training that i just loved going out there and telling people they were doing games rather than training so concept training and concept training you know like we're looking at building the optimism Mm -hmm. seeing what's going on with the dog uh so i have to say they were the restart yeah and then there's a heart dog in England right, right. now that's really, uh, for both of us, is inspiring yeah. us an awful lot. Janet Finley and Michelle Dart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you have a big Kim, one that Kim you Brophy. love. Kim Brophy, yeah. Yeah. Very, yeah. very much inspired. And I'll, I'll talk about her next. Yes. Okay. But we want to throw it out there that the ideas you hear from us, some of them have been created from, from hearing what uh, these, uh, these wonderful mentors for us have absolutely. been saying and, and leading us in, in the direction yeah. uh, that we're both absolutely loving. So 2023 for me um, with puppies, I just want to get more fun and building independence mm-hmm. and optimism and just helping the people. Yeah. When I was listening to you just now, I was thinking about how I've, I've always had this, I'm, t- I'm trying to not even use the word leash reactivity anymore. I'm changing my language mm-hmm. and calling it uh, building on leash optimism. There you um, go. Yeah. yeah. But I, you know, I used to have this form where the people were going to look at what's the dog doing today. Now it says, what's the dog's body language? What is your body language? What's your dog <gasps> feeling? How are you feeling? And it's, it's really been wonderful because it's a, it's a two-part problem, right? You know, if yeah. if one person or one dog is feeling off, they have to work together. They're a team. Yes. And thinking about that, going back to the shelter, because I read recently that, uh, I don't know if this is true, but there was a statistic that the average age of a dog dropped off at shelter was 18 months. Mm-hmm. And so it just really reinvigorated me in thinking, I need to support the humans so they get the help they need. Exactly. And support the dogs so that they get the help they need. Yeah. and can work through it together so and not can, end up at the shelter. Yeah, so we can keep them in the homes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So for 2023, how are you going forward and saying this is this is the way I'm I'm going to start? I know yeah. you have some great like plan already. Yes, very um, But share it with yeah. us what what you think. Um so I'm focusing mostly on family dog mediation. Moving away from training, even away from the traditional behavior consult where it was me kind of telling the human, here's what I want you to do with the dog, change the dog's behavior. This is the idea of let's look at the dog in front of us. They're Kim Brophy's legs model, the learning, the environment, the genes, and the self. Look at the human in front of me. And and I have to do this, you know, I'm trying to do it quickly when I'm talking to the human and the dog, but what has the human learned? What environment is the human in? Mm-hmm. What are the human's genes to a certain, you know, <laughs> and um, how does the human feel about themselves? And merging those two together to have, instead of so much of a, a behavior plan, it's more like family mediation. It's more mm-hmm. like thinking there are some things coming up that are hard for the dog and hard for the human or one or the other and how can we address everybody's needs so meeting needs that was a long answer sorry no it wasn't as long as mine (laughs) (laughs) meeting needs and then the other part of that because I feel so invigorated by the family dog mediation by Mm -hmm. you know being in Kim Brophy's uh, division group behavior division 
is thinking about how can I share what I've learned in the last couple of years with yeah. new trainers? Because I'm coming to this so late in life. I mean, mm -hmm. I had to unlearn a lot of stuff to get mm -hmm. here. Yeah. And that's that's not easy. We're know. both the same age, by the, <laughs> by the way, if anybody is interested. We're not going to divulge what age we <laughs> yeah, are. But. We'll have to guess. <laughs> um, but, but focusing on how can I share what I've learned? How can I pass this on? How can I mentor um, and actually, with the Kim Brophy Group, we're developing a mentorship program awesome. to share some of these new ideas about meeting the needs of dogs and humans. Yeah. Instead of just trying to fix the dog, how can we meet everyone's needs? And, um, and it's interesting because all of us got into dog training because we had that dog. Right. Uh, that that really needed help, and we needed help with that dog. Yeah. Uh, so we went looking for help, which yeah. is what most trainers, how they start off. Yeah. So you might be out there, and we might be one of our clients, and then suddenly decide, hey, I, th I like that. I become a dog trainer Absolutely. because you're learning. You are. We consider you at least. You know, when we go out to your house, I consider you are your dog's trainer, basically. You know. I have a lot of clients where I would hire yes. today. Yes, but I think it's 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 great that you're offering that. You know, to for people to get experience from you. Yeah. Um, and I think there's going to be plenty of people that are going to take you up in that offer. I yeah. might have to go out with you a couple of times. I'd love as well. it. I'd love it. And I, you know, I, I'm hoping to do some hands-on. It's going to end up being a lot online, mm -hmm. just because. Um, I don't have a facility. I don't have the, the means to do what, you know, Trish King let yes. me follow her around for a year. And that yes. was invaluable. And Trish King used to head the behavior and training department at Marine Humane mm -hmm. just to put Absolutely. that out there. Absolutely. Like, talk about our, our role models, our influencers. Yes. yes. We, were, we, both, <laughs> we both were under her, exactly. um, uh, her guidance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, lots and of, still rely on her. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I, I'm grateful for my mentor experience and I would yes. love to share that in some form with new up and coming new, yeah you know and, I, and i'm trying to not even use the word trainer because now we have to be so I know, careful right i just right? said trainer but trainer, I, but yeah. we're kind of uh, we're kind of changing dog professionals dog professionals but then what do we call our clients then just family guardians guardians i know guardians is yeah, yeah, yeah i just yeah. i went through my website and then took out every word where i was promising training and tried to you know, put <laughs> it in different it. terms yeah it's a yeah it's, 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 a bit, it's a bit of a switch mm -hmm. um for us to think about that that I'm we're trained. we're there um, to just help and support yep. and, and it's, and it's so great to see you excited about, about the mentoring and just different things you're learning this, this year, because that's what drives both of us. Mm -hmm. We love to learn. Yep. We really are. And, and I, I think that's not something we share with our clients. We don't go, Hey, we're taking five courses here right. and behind <laughs> the scenes, but we're always, uh, looking at, uh, advancing what our knowledge and getting out there and learning different things from people all over the world. Right. Questioning what we're doing. Yeah, and being saying, open how does that work? And, yeah. How does that work? And that makes us more creative mm -hmm. in our work, uh, which which is inspiring and drives us. We want to get out there and help you have a great life with your dog. Yes. Uh, Spread the joy. All right. So, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. If you're listening to this later in the year, then I hope you're having a good year. You can still make... Uh, um, resolutions later in the year. Email us your resolutions. We'd love to hear yes. uh, what you're planning for 2023. Thanks for tuning in today and hope you'll join us for our next episode. You can reach Emma at ecdogtraining.com or on Instagram at ecdog underscore training and Kirsten at kwhappydogs.com or on Facebook at kwhappydogs. Don't forget to hit subscribe. See you next time.